Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on autism answers. I am Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. And today, okay, you know what I'm going to say, today is a wonderful day. We have a great guest today. In fact, we have the other half of the first half, so, um, and I'm not giving them billing order. But we did, we did already interview her husband, so it'll be really interesting to hear from Tracy Freeman today. She is actually an internist by trade, and she practices integrative medicine. And before I get on and on and on about her and get talking to her, let's remember why we come to listen to this show. It's because you want to stay to the very end, right? Right, right? Yes, you do. You want to stay to the very end of the show where I will do stories from the road. And today we also have an okay, 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 great guest giveaway. And it isn't me this time. It's somebody else. Isn't that exciting? So our great guest giveaway will be Derek Volk. He's the father of an Asperger's boy, and he wrote a book called Chasing the Rabbit. And by the way, it's really good. So listen to the show. But more importantly, get the book because uh, it's really, really actually a good read. And I'm, I'm not even finished it, and I keep going, shoot, I have stuff to do, and I'm trying to finish this book. Usually I'm going, oh, man, I'll skim. So <laughs> you, I'm serious. You should get the book. All right, so we're going to talk with Tracy Freeman. We're going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, being in the world having a child with autism, but most importantly, we're going to look at something I haven't looked at before, which is sort of the the other burdens that come along often and are associated with autism and how you deal with them, and I think it's a good idea to do that. Before we get there, uh, one little quick story from me, because, you know, I like to talk a little bit. I was diagnosed with Asperger's. You all know that. I'm over it, except and this matches the show, I've had such a sick body over my life. I've had lung surgery. I've had stomach surgery six times. I had, you know, I've had to treat my brain over and over again. Every time I fix it, something else happens. I've had a stroke. I've had, you know, and then, of course, I travel, so I've been exposed to so many different viruses, and I have constantly had to heal myself. And what has happened is as a result of doing so much work on my brain with the neurofeedback, I've gotten a stronger immune system. So what I want to do with Tracy, if we have time, is we're going to, she's going to tell us her stuff. And then maybe we'll play a little bit about, you know, just sort of hypothesize what we think is happening and why it's gotten to where I really just don't get stuff. So um, in the meantime, we're going to chat with her. So Tracy Freeman, the internist who specializes in integrative medicine and whose husband was already on the show. Hello and welcome. Hi, Lynette. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Now that I got all my energy up front out of the way, let's just chat. All right. Okay. All right. So let's talk about first sort of who you are, um, you know, a little bit of your background medically and then with the family. Okay. So I'm an internist. I um, did the traditional medical training, um, my four years of med school, three years of um, residency. I also did a 
year of um, master's in public health. Um, and then um, once my son was diagnosed with autism, I began looking for other options, mostly because there weren't very many available in the conventional medicine uh, arena. And with that, I came more into the integrative medicine model. And um, the first thing I noticed is when we cleaned up his diet, for instance, and for the first time in his little life, at the time he was two, uh, he had his first form stool within three days of uh, removing gluten from his diet. So I knew it was something to it, and I knew that his little body needed a little extra help. It wasn't just something um, behavioral alone. Okay, so then what did that inspire you to do? Like, where did that take you in the path? So it took me to a lot of reading and a lot of conferences um, and studying and and talking to other moms. We have a lot of mom geniuses out there, and and you can learn a lot from each other. So, um, and along the way, you begin to to see patterns in kids and patterns in terms of things that um, alleviate some of their pain, truthfully. Some, a lot of them are in pain and then um, alleviate some of the things that cause them to be so sensitive to the world around them. When we say stuff like the additional conditions or the things that are augmenting or the extra burden, um, what are we talking about? Like what kind of stuff shows up for the kids with autism? So the, the most intriguing things, I think, one comes out of um, John Hopkins and their uh, uh, when they do autopsy studies, basically they find a lot of autoimmune issues, meaning their bodies have turned on themselves. And more importantly, what that means is that if your body's busy fighting you, it doesn't fight the other burdens that the environment presents. So other bacteria and things like that that come along, they tend to wreak havoc. More importantly, I think the studies out of France with the um, Dr. Luc Montagnier, his work to me is the most fascinating. Similarly, he's finding that um, if he treats, and he's a Nobel Prize winning scientist, he's, he's kind of top of his game. And but what he finds is if he treats the um, infections that the children have, then their brains are able to think clearly because they aren't susceptible to the byproducts that the bacteria or viruses um, they, that they release. And so he's uh, treated, um, if he looks at, he doesn't treat them all the same, but he says if he looks at the majority of the children, um, he ends up putting the one, most of the ones above eight years old, he puts them on doxycycline, and the ones below eight years old, he'll put them on azithromycin. And they require treatment for two years, is what he's saying, because if you do it any earlier, if you remove the treatment any earlier, then they, they regress. So um, he's even been on the news. You can watch his YouTube video with English subtitles um, on YouTube. He's an excellent work, I think. Oh, very interesting. And have you tried using that? So I'm not a big drug person. (laughs) (laughs) I'm more a natural person. Um, I have had children, um, and I want to be specific, we do not have the technology in the states that he's using. So he has technology that... Uh, looks at the children's blood and matches the frequency of various bacteria uh, with the frequency he finds in their blood, and therefore he can be extraordinarily specific in what he's treating. Whereas what we have typically, what we're testing the majority of, time, of the time is your antibody response. So if I draw, um, for instance, a line test, I'm looking for your body's immune response. 
And mind you, this is in a population that may or may not have a great immune response. So our testing is flawed to begin with. They're supposedly opening, I hear they're opening in a lab in uh, New York, and when that happens, I think it'll be a great breakthrough. You can be more specific. But that's a lot of uh, side effects to put on someone when you're not as clear as right. to what you're treating as he is. So I tend to use more herbals, uh, something that also cleans broadly that doesn't create more yeast. Um, because, again, if you're immunosuppressed in any way, you're going to be very susceptible to things like candida or fungus um, that's in all of us, but you'd end up with more of it because your body doesn't keep it at bay. Now, I know doxycycline is um, used for a few things, and one of the things is Lyme. Right. Is, is that uh, primarily what he's believing he's finding is just Lyme? Then? I had to make that assumption because both of those are good drugs, but he didn't say that, actually. I heard him speak. Um, he basically said of the you know two things, um, that's the drug that most of the children end up with. But I have to wonder, you know, the doxycycline happens to also treat, it's cheap, first of all, extraordinarily cheap or um, reasonable relative to a lot of drugs. And, you know, it could treat strep, it could treat anything like that in the upper respiratory tract, um, so, but I did make that assumption. He did not. Say you, that. you know, and I haven't looked this up, and I'm shame on me. But have you ever looked to see what the numbers are on the kids that are found to have uh, Lyme associated with autism? You know, I don't know the numbers. I know there was an organization for a long time based out of California called Lyme Induced Autism, um, and they were mothers who found that when they treated Lyme, their children got better. Um, and I read an article once that basically said that the children were more susceptible to what we call intercellular, meaning uh, that they bugs that live inside the cell, and Lyme is one of them. Not the only one, probably the most well-known one. The other ones were um, chlamydia pneumonia, which is not an STD, um, actually a bug you can get from like a cold, you know, just from mm-hmm. shaking someone's hand who has it and then touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Mycoplasma was another possibility. Um, so it just, it just bugs that don't, if your cells are filled with infection of any kind, then how are they going to do their job? How are you going to send and receive hormones or signals that you need to? So the idea being just to, to clean the cell out and let it, let it do its work as it was intended to do. Okay, so um, why don't you just share some of the things that you've observed in autism and the stuff that comes along with it and, and how you've helped it. So, you know, from a global integrative medicine perspective, when you, any patient who comes in with anything autoimmune, um, since that's kind of the track we're focusing on, you want to look for the trigger. Like what caused that immune system to lose its way and stop stop fighting in that direction. And depending on the size of the child, you can draw blood to kind of go on the hunt. So what I'll basically do, I'll start out with um, getting some, you know, basic blood and nutritional things like that. Um, We'll start with urine and stool. A lot of the children will end up with a fungal overgrowth. Um, And then based on a lot of times you can kind of get a sense or clues from different behaviors. So let's say a child who is uh, sweating in their sleep, makes me think food allergies or or candida overgrowth. Or a child who kind of bounces off the walls and, you know, can't sit still, that suggests to me a strep, a child with uh, issues with strep or PANDAS, a pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorder associated with strep. 
the children who are very OCD and can't, you know, if you make drive the same way home and you turn a different way one day, they that bothers them or they have to touch a certain place, that makes me think more mycoplasma. So they're just like little clues that I listen for. And because with a child, you can only draw so much blood at one time because the body needs six weeks to regenerate its blood supply. Um, you, you know, you have to kind of tear your blood and, and figure out, well, what's going to be the priority? What sticks out? What are the likely possibilities here? And then in some cases, you know, I'll just do a gentle clean-out. So if it's a child, the little ones, I, I like olive leaf a lot because it's very little die-off effect from that. Very well tolerated. You know, it's a little slow to work, but, you know, you've got time. So it just kind of cleans things up a lot and gets their guts working better. They'll usually end up sleeping better. Um, and it's good for anybody, but it helps and gently helps them to get uh, to get their body back in order. Um, and then, you know, depending on what else they see for, uh, sometimes for the strep kids, I, I may use, um, I may use an herbal, but there are times when they get sick, when they are exposed to strep, which happens every year, practically, they often do end up needing some antibiotics to, um, to carry that over because strep for them isn't just a sore throat, it's a behavior change. So it's about bringing them, you know, back to baseline, and it works so fast. I mean, literally one dose, and you can see their behavior come back down to normal. So they're super sensitive kids, for sure. Um, you may even work on their food allergies um, with, you know, doing a very simple skin prick test and finding out what foods, not allergies that, you know, typically you have throat closing or breathing issues, but more so allergies that... Uh, just irritate the system a little bit. So once we find those out, we just eliminate them and work on the gut because if you have a lot of allergies, it really is a sign that your gut, where the bulk of your immune system is, is off kilter. And so we want to work on, you know, removing the bad guys, putting in good probiotics, uh, digestive enzymes if need be, or things uh, to heal the gut lining Um would be good as well. Like a good child-friendly one thing is aloe, especially if a child is constipated. We'll do a good job. Or glutamine in some autistic children will do that as well. Not others. Some uh, don't tolerate glutamine as well. It sounds like your job is similar to mine. It's the question of, you know, which thing do you go after first? And what kind of it do you do it by based on the history, observation? Because you're saying as you go into the blood work, you kind of have to know what you think you're targeting, right? Right. You know, some of it's based on, like, the parents' biggest complaints, you know, like sometimes I'll just give some symptomatic help, especially for children who aren't sleeping. Sometimes that can be the biggest help for the whole household, you know, like let's just get the child so everybody can get some sleep. Let's work on that. And even though that's more a symptom, that's not an underlying issue, is critical for the family and the child's health that the, in their brain that they sleep. Or perhaps if the teacher is complaining because they won't sit still, then, I'll, you know, this is a Band-Aid approach, but, I'll, you know, maybe some GABA or theanine, uh, which comes from green tea, GABA is an amino acid derivative, just gentle things to just get them to sit still until we can work on the underlying causes. So it depends on what comes, what kind of screams at me as a priority. We'll, we'll work that angle. Okay. And you're, you, do you see a lot of limes up there? Because I know that when I was living in your area, 
um, it was a big deal, and a couple of my kids got Lyme's while we were there, so there was a lot of it there. Do you see a lot of it coming into your office? Yeah, we, we definitely have a lot of Lyme coming coming in. You know, um, I have a 30-year-old who's been working in the same place for five years and got lost on her way to work. <laughs> she, I mean, because she had so much memory loss. I think, as I understand it, or last I looked at it, we were number, this area was number two in the nation. Where's number one? <laughs> Minnesota. I don't know how really? they okay. managed it, given it's so cold. Yeah, but sometimes I wonder if it's more so the areas that do a good job of reporting as opposed to actual statistics. Cause right, and if, about... I'm noticing it, it. It's a real issue, actually. An area gets used to a problem, and then they stop sort of looking at it as this is going to you know, add to the burden of the child who has already got a burden. Right. So right. Um, when I go internationally, a good example would be malaria. In Uganda, the malaria was just sort of second nature to everybody there. Oh, we have, we have malaria, we'll take the pills. So they'll make us mm-hmm. dizzy and then we'll be fine. And they just sort of had this attitude about it, but there's this whole group of kids who have just devastating effects from it. But they're like, well, you know, luck of the draw. <laughs> right? You just get used right. to it. And I know that's why I asked about your area, because it got to the point where everybody just sort of kept an eye out for limes. Right. And I just kind of relaxed about it. Um, what do you do when it's limes and autism? You just do these things you were talking about before? Is there extra advice? So, you know, the most important thing, I think, as much as possible is the prevention. And so yeah, I like natural bug repellent. So uh, buzz away is a good one. I like that. And then the next thing we do is, when I meet a parent and if their test is positive for Lyme, we, I kind of discuss the options and schools of thought because there's no more controversial disease than Lyme. Um, and so, um, and, and it doesn't look good for anybody agreeing on the optimal therapy um, in the near future. That being said, people have their own idea of what works and what doesn't. So my natural inclination is to do things herbally, and I tell them this is what I do, and this is what I do well. Um, but a lot of people, that, that doesn't sit well with them. Like they hear Lyme disease, they want to go after it hard, and so I may get them started on the antibiotics and then refer to them to someone who either if they want to do the conventional treatment, I can do that. That's just the three- to six-week treatment. But if they want to follow what's known as the ILADS treatment, which is the International Lyme Associate Disease Society, um, they have a... Um, rotating antibiotics, then I refer them to someone who that's what they do because it really has become, for that arm of it, it's become a specialty unto itself. Okay. And what is it about, since you know that that's something that people are doing and that there's somewhere to refer to and all of that, what stops you? What stops me from doing it? So, I mean, just because my beliefs, I just don't think... um, I just think drugs have a lot of toxicity, and I think uh, the herbals at least is a great place to start, and I've seen a lot of success with Lyme and people feeling better, so it's just my, more my nature, more my inclination is to do the natural treatment. So then what would you, if I wanted to do natural treatment, I wanted to go and figure it out myself, what kind of things should I grab? You know, I would start with a good book. Um, I think um, probably the top, one of the top people for Lyme not with herbal is uh, Stephen Buhner, um, and he has a book called Healing Lyme. Uh, Cat's Claw has been used globally for Lyme disease um, forever, or as long as we've been dealing with this. That's pretty much the basic herb. And then 
the rest you kind of add on based on symptoms. So um, if someone's having more, it's like the autistic kids who have brain symptoms or neurological symptoms, um, Japanese knotweed is the best herb. Um, but if someone's having more arthritic pain, then banderol plus classical, uh, work would be a, these would be great places to get started. Okay. All right. So I'm going to uh, ask the, the question. So I had all these autoimmune things, and then later they – much later, they said, "Oh, you had Asperger's," um, and it was true that like I was sick a lot. I got when I got uh, my when I got my vaccine, I ended up almost losing my arm. My whole arm got infected, and I remember the mm. feeling of losing my brain too. Uh, walking around, I can still feel it in my eyes where everything's dilated and I can't land a thought. It just felt like I can't land a thought. Um, so I have all of that in my history. Why do you suppose it is that if I really, all I really did for myself was a couple of cleanses, I've done a couple of cleanses, but I've done neurofeedback. So how is it that if we strengthen our brain and get our brain working better, the autoimmune piece would go away? Uh, The body's a two-way street. So we could um, clean the body and it helps the brain and we can work on the brain and it helps the body. So I think the brain is, you know, master and commander. And so if it uh, sends signals, neurological signals that strengthen the immune system, that strengthen even just your motility, it's definitely going to have um, an effect. There's no doubt. I don't, don't think we're as clear as we should be on why that's true, but we definitely have evidence to suggest that neurofeedback enhances the immune system. So it's, it's a great place to start or, uh, you know, a great adjunct if you want to do both at the same time. Um, and I, I definitely to get you more uh, stable, more solid in terms of yeah, your so sense. To a place where you can then do the traditional things and, and handle what comes your way, right? Because if you can get your immune system up, you can do it all. You don't need anything else. That is the trick. That, you right. know, there are plenty of people who don't get sick. With their immune okay, system. so let's, let's do this. Let's define immune system for people. Because that's just, it's like the word stress. When you say to people, well, that's a stress situation. And, you know, then they just get used to this word. And it doesn't really have any meaning anymore. It's sort of just the thing we say. So what is the immune system? So the immune system is really your protection against um, bad guys in the environment. Something that keeps you strong in the face of other deterrents in the environment. So um, it's really mostly uh, cells. Um, there's different arms of the immune system. Um, much more complex is true than what we talk about. Um, so you have some arms of the immune system that make antibodies or uh, pretty much like soldiers that keep a memory up for you. So that if you ever see this bacteria again, you're going to remember it and you're going to remember how to fight it. Um, and we have others that release um, things like peroxide in the body, um, like our top cells release ozone or peroxide, which is just oxygen. Like, so some, when something's really bad, they release uh, variations of oxygen to kill whatever it is. Um, and then like what's lining um, the lymphoid tissue that's lining the intestines, which is turning out to be most paramount. Um, you know, I don't think we're, we're just learning more and more about that. So, um, but that is where 70% of our immune system is alongside our intestines. So it shows you how important the intestinal tract is or maintaining it to 
your immune system, like how, how, how much you need to keep those two together. So it is extraordinarily complex, and all arms of that work together. I mean, there's a whole degree on immunology. Um, but the, the bottom line is if we can keep it in order, if we can keep it on its toes, um, you can fight anything. And the, hard, the sad truth is that if your immune system isn't working, the bulk of the medications are not designed to work without an immune system. Like they, medication failure is going to come because you cannot mount a, re, a response to help the meds. I mean, effectively, that is why, um, not so much anymore, but AIDS patients used to die from basic things. Not that we didn't have the medicine for it, it's that their immune system couldn't help them out. So it, it's um, both both have to be working. You need both treatment and the immune system to, to kill something. Cool. All right. You are listening to a new spin on Autism Answers. I am Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as The Brain Broad. We're talking with Tracy Freeman. She's an internist by... Trade. I don't think you say trade. <laughs> and she works especially in integrative medicine. Don't forget to stay to the end of the show where we will have stories from the road. And today we have, okay, 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 the great guest giveaway. So make sure you hang in there with us. I have a couple of things I wanted to throw around a bit. Uh, so, Tracy, you were talking about the different parts of the immune system, and you said peroxide. And I remember that made my brain go clickety-clickety-click back to a lot of different things that have come and gone in sort of vogue treatments for autism over the years. And one of them was to drink peroxide. So what I was going to ask is, of the things that you've seen, you know, the things that people have tried, um, you know, anything you want to warn people not to try, things that have been, you know, detrimental, um, things that maybe they haven't heard of they might want to try. And have you heard of drinking peroxide? (laughs) Yes, I've had a few patients who drink peroxide. I know um, that people, there are subsets and uh, alternatives medicine who only focus on oxygen and those kinds of therapies, they do not recommend putting peroxide on, there's no studies for them of putting peroxide on the intestinal lining and on the esophagus and things like that, while they do recommend it IV, Um, I guess because it has the dilution factor, I'm not sure, or because someone just simply has not taken time to study it. That being said, I've, I've had patients who've done it and have had no problem. We just don't have any studies to, to back it up. Um, Did they have any benefits? Um, they said so. They had done it before they came to me, um, mm-hmm. and they they said that they that it's helped it helped them. Um, I just from the physician side of it, the you know the medical where's the evidence side of it. Uh, we just the safety data just. Um, wasn't there as of two years ago when I talked to one of the oxygen specializing physicians. Um, in terms of things that, uh, you know, stay away from, um, I can't think, I'm sure there have been some, I can't think of one off the top of my head in terms of, um, you know, here's a really bad um, thing. Everything that comes up, autism like Lyme is extraordinarily controversial. And depending on who you talk to, you get a different spin. Oh, wait a minute. I don't know what that one is. What is that? (laughs) You mean anything. I'm saying anything in general. It seems like... Oh, oh, oh. I thought thought there was like a name called that. No. Oh, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. More so just that it it just 
they're just different viewpoints on right. where where you should be and where you should land. You know, should it be strictly behavioral? Is there a medical side of it? I mean, I think it's interesting if you talk to um, a pediatric gastroenterologist who's very much entrenched in um, conventional medicine. They will say to you, oh, yeah, all these kids have yeast. All these kids have, you know, these bacterial overgrowth. For them, it's not even a question, but it, somehow it hasn't filtered into the rest of um, conventional medicine. We just haven't gotten to the point where we can all sit at the table and have um, legitimate discussion. Um, but I honestly, right now, at the top of my, off the top of my head, I cannot think of anything that I say, oh, definitely don't do that. Um, I don't, I don't have anything along. I'm more conservative probably than most people are. Um, so, I, you know, I, I tend to, to go easy on the kids. Um, I'm not, I'm not aggressive pretty much. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, that's kind of been my observation too, is although there's all kinds of controversy around most of the treatments, they all seem to be based in something effective at some point for some person. Mm-hmm. So, I haven't really come across too much that's really goofy, well, except for the guy I paid money to yell at my son over the phone with a computer. Mm -hmm. That wasn't so good, but that was weird. You know, we've all tried stuff. (laughs) It's not one of my prouder moments. (laughs) I was like, okay, this one doesn't work. But even if it does, I don't want to know that. Right. Right. Um, what about do you have you ever tried stuff? Uh, you know, just the typical approach to yeast. So you were talking about olive leaf, which um, I love olive leaf too, by the way. Uh, but what about I've heard of a lot of doctors that give uh, medicine to try and clean out the yeast. That's pretty aggressive. Do you give anything to just really strongly attack just for a short bit, either inflammation or or candidas? Yes, sometimes I will give um, medicine, you know, certainly not to the smaller children. Um, I may give them nystatin, oral nystatin, which is an absorbed um, into the system, but is a pharmaceutical. That's That's, the one I was trying to think of, nystatin, yes. Yeah, that's very well tolerated. Um, I would say probably one of the stronger drugs would be diflucan. I've given it to um, some kids if they really needed it. Along along those lines, but classically, I'm going to start uh, gently because the die-off effect, meaning when the bugs or yeast in this case uh, dies, uh, they feel awful. And these kids who can't talk, they you know we're going to see behavioral changes. So right. the more gentle you can do it, the more peace and harmony the whole household has. Right. So you're able to. Um, you know, if you start with an herbal, but if you end up needing a medication, and most of the times you won't, but if you still needed a medication, um, it wouldn't be as bad of a experience for the child. It would have taken care of a lot of it by then. Right, right. That that makes a lot of sense. And I have heard some pretty awesome stories for people that were really aggressive as far as positive results, but I've heard way more about the die-off effect stopping them, so... Um, okay, so when you think in terms of all of your experience and the stuff you've watched uh, over the years and tried for your own family and all of that stuff, what what kind of advice do you want to give people that has pretty much been tried and true um, across the spectrum? I would say diet. I, I think for all people, all conditions, I would say food is king. And if you're able to um, maintain a diet that's low in processed foods, um, low and um, genetically modified foods, in my humble opinion, I don't think that does the body very much good. And low sugar for these children, low 
a low uh, processed, sugary things, uh, they will make a lot of change. Um, it's very hard for any car to go without fuel. And so if you don't give them the proper gas they need, which in this case is nutrition, they're not going to be able to function, nor is anyone else. So we all we always have to come down to the basics. And we have that is we have all we need here in terms of food. It's just a matter of picking whole foods and getting the children to get used to that taste and recognizing the kids need study show twenty one days to get used to a new taste. So if they may if they push it away one day, that's fine. You just keep just even putting it on the table helps them to get used to the idea. So keep keep giving. Don't say, oh, they'll only eat bread. Probably not. Just, just keep, like, let's lay carrots around. And finally, you'll be surprised they'll come around and grab one. So just be patient with them. Yeah, and I agree completely. Thank you. Um, okay, so uh, this is it. This is your last final moment to say whatever it is you want to say. Is there something special you want to give people as a sort of a mom who's meeting the, you know, the sort of the challenge and also a professional and sort of a bit of advice just to how to keep going, stay motivated, stay positive. And also, if you want us to share your contact information, please say it now and people can get a hold of you and see if you can help them. Um, So I, I would just say, you know, taking things day by day, step by step, and I think baby steps with kids matter the most. So if you just do a little something different, if you just... You know, it's not like, okay, they need to be potty trained, they need to drink more water, and they need to eat more vegetables. Just take one thing and just make that one change and just recognize that that's just a step in the right direction. You're not going to get kids to make movements and leaps and bounds. They just don't cooperate that way. Um, and, and then you'll see step by step they'll, they'll make progress. Um, in terms of my contact, I'm in Washington, D.C., and uh, my office number is 202 237-7000. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tracy. I really appreciate you being here. And, oh, is there, and by the way, for everybody who is wondering who the husband was, her husband is the one that was talking about doing this um, hindsight project. So you can always look, go back and listen to his version of things, and then you can imagine what's it like to have two professionals in the house. Anyways, it's just for fun. Um, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Lynette. That was Tracy Freeman, and lucky us, she had a had the ability and the willingness to kind of jump around with me from subject to subject. It can be dry and difficult to listen to scientific medical jargon if we just go in one line of thought. But if we jump around and keep it kind of interesting, hopefully we gave you some gifts and some ideas you didn't already have, or at least confirmed and reaffirmed positions you were taking on things so that you can be stronger when you go to your doctor. Um, Okay, let's get to it. Okay, 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 it is time for the great guest giveaway, and today's great guest giveaway is actually really great. Of course, you know, they've been great for the last three because they were me, but (laughs) and I'm great, but this is a gentleman who I think is great in a brand new sort of way. To start out, he's a guy, which is so awesome, because he wrote a book about raising a child with Asperger's, and I really dig that. So often, it's the moms doing all the book writing and all the getting out there and stuff, and I've noticed a real swing in that over the last five years or so. 
Dads are getting so much more involved, so I'm really, really thrilled about that. Now, our gentleman today, who is our great guest giveaway, is Derek Volk. I hope I am saying his name right. But anyway, so there's Derek and there's Dylan. They are father and son, and they've sort of contributed to the book jointly. However, I've been not able to read the whole thing, but what I have read has been mostly dad. So the book is called Chasing the Rabbit, A Dad's Life, Raising a Son on the Spectrum, and it's really good so far. So Derek Volk, who is going to be our great guest giveaway, has been married for 26 years to his high school sweetheart. Aw, everybody say aw, is the father of four, and one of those is a 24-year-old son with Asperger's Syndrome. Derek recently authored this book. It's called Chasing the Rabbit, A Dad's Life Raising a Son on the Spectrum, and it chronicles his emotional roller coaster ride as the father of Dylan. Well, welcome to parenting. Parenting is a roller coaster ride regardless of the spectrum. I gotta tell you, I think I cried more when my daughters were uh, teenagers than I ever did when my sons who were on the spectrum were teenagers. So, you know, you really can't. You can't blame it on the spectrum for that matter. Anyway, I want to say hello, 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 Derek, and thank you for being here. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on as a guest. I appreciate it. Good. Oh, I was so thrilled when you so, – so people, I always tell you how I connected with somebody, and Derek is a LinkedIn friend, and, you know, it's usually Facebook, but look at that. We're giving LinkedIn a plug. And so he texted me or messaged me on LinkedIn and said, you know, I have this book, and would you be willing to read it and possibly do a review? And I said, hey, you want to do an interview? So here he is, and let's chat with him a little bit. Why would you write the book? Well, I actually, it's funny, I actually sat down a couple of years ago to write a business book. A friend of mine mm-hmm. told me, I, I own a business in Maine, a coordinated box company. And yeah, a I hate of to mine told burst me, your bubble, Derek, but yeah. I, I've been reading some of this. There, there's, this isn't a business book, so you know that, No, right? it's not a business book <laughs> at all, absolutely. Uh, yeah, well, as I started to, to kind of put this business book idea together, and it was a completely selfish venture basically to, to write a business book because he said if you write a business book and then you go to a potential client and then hand them your book they'll be impressed and you'll get some you know credibility right out of the gate and so I thought oh, that makes sense he said it didn't even have to be a good book as long as it was a it was a, in print people will be impressed and so I started to write this business book and as I was sitting there in front of basically a blank screen because I really didn't have anything in mind I heard a voice that wasn't audible, but it, it felt as audible as anything I've ever heard. And it said, that's not the book you're supposed to write. You're supposed to write a book about Dylan. And I just kind of stopped in my tracks and thought for a second. And I started writing and ended up with uh, 260 pages. I didn't write. I actually recorded most of the book. And my 21-year-old daughter typed it for me. Oh, you're so. So that's how I ended up with uh, with chasing the rabbit. Uh, where did you come up with the title? Like yeah, chasing the rabbit. Question. Yeah, chasing the rabbit. Uh, the title of chase, uh, chasing the rabbit comes from an analogy that I've used for years when talking about Dylan, and and the way I describe Dylan is that he's like a greyhound, and the rabbit, the artificial rabbit that the greyhound chases, is normal. So if you ever been to, if you ever seen a greyhound dog race, they chase a rabbit around the around the circle. Right. And, of course, they never catch the rabbit. And that's what the rabbit is for Dylan. It's normal. And so he sees it. He knows what it looks like. And he tries to catch it. But as fast as he runs, he's, it's just always out of reach. 
I love that. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah, um, and a lot of people yeah. have said to me, oh, my son has been chasing the rabbit for years. Yeah, that's very cool. Thank you for putting words to that. That's beautiful. I'm going to jump right in, even before we get in the background. Usually I get the background and all that, but but I read a couple pages here, and I thought it would be really fun if I just pull a couple things out. Like all right, before, let's dig right in. All right, let's just let's just jump in there. Like this one, the little white pills. I don't know if you remember. Oh that. yeah. My favorite my favorite part of this is when you, okay, so you've gone to see this homeopath and everything. So during the I'm going to read it. During the appointment, Dylan had a meltdown. Oh, we've all seen those. And in the grand scheme of Dylan's meltdowns, it was a pretty minor one. He got upset, a little disrespective, rude, and his voice elevated. You're right, not not very major. However, for Dylan, it was a relatively minor incident, but the homeopathic doctor looked at us with this overwhelmed look on his face and said in a shocked tone, is he ever like this at home? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's just funny. <laughs> it, it, you know, looking back, a lot of these things are, are almost comical. Uh, at the time, we were, de- you know, we were devastated. We looked at the guy like he had two heads. We're like, what are you talking about? This is nothing. This is what you, you think you've been treating something like this because, uh, and all he was giving us were these little tiny like mustard seed pills that Dylan was supposed to take once a day. And we saw no results from that whatsoever. But, you know, we were grasping at anything at that point and we had no diagnosis. So we didn't, we didn't know what the heck was wrong with him uh, and what the, you know, what was causing his behavior issues or, or any of his personality uh, quirks that we just couldn't figure out. So we were we went we did whatever we whatever we could and this was one of the unusual paths. One of, one of the fun little things that you tried, and just yeah. as is often the case, the person you tried to get help from wasn't really an expert in your kid. All right, even right. even sometimes when you have the diagnosis. So I'm going to hit three things. So the next one is possibly the worst parenting advice ever. Do you remember what that is? Oh, gosh, yeah, I'll never forget that. Okay, tell yeah. us that one. I'll let you tell that one, and then I'm going to take us back more forward in the book. So yeah, go ahead, tell us that bad, one. That is a pretty bad story. So we went to see, uh, you know, we were going around to these different people. And Dylan, hey, we had the diagnosis at that point. Uh, and Dylan was, you know, having a hard time in school and, and at home. And so we went to this guy in, in Portland who was supposed to be, a, you know, an expert on we went to one quote air quote expert after another and he basically told us lack of, 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 you know, coming flat out and saying it is that you're horrible parents. You're just, this kid doesn't have really have any, there's no diagnosis that's causing this behavior. You're just really bad parents. And so his advice uh, to primarily to me as the father uh, because at this point he was bigger and stronger than his mother, uh, was the next time he had a meltdown, I was supposed to grab him and push his face into the carpet as hard as I could. And that would teach him a lesson. And if I didn't do that, I was an even worse parent because I had no control over my kid and I was letting him, you know, completely control the, the family and, and run everything. And he had me over a barrel. So he, you know, man up and shove his face into the carpet. And, oh, good. <laughs> uh, you know, at that point, uh, we were so 
you know, overwhelmed by one expert after another giving us bad advice that, um, you know, he, after several sessions, had pretty much convinced us that we were just horrible parents. And he was right. We were just really bad parents. And so the next time he had a meltdown, I shoved his face into the carpet. And uh, he ended up in the psych ward of the hospital that night. So not such a great idea. Not such a great idea after all. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's really unfortunate, but you know, the unfortunately, many, many, many of the techniques are really kind of abusive that are out there. And when we don't know, when we don't know the answers, we doubt ourselves when we do what they say. And I have stories like that myself. I made my son's shoulder bleed at one point because they said to squeeze and pinch his shoulder, and then he'd be able. To di- he'd be able to differentiate a fork from a spoon. I don't know why that was supposed to work, yeah. but, yeah, but you know, you're desperate asking. and you're trying and you feel exactly. like I keep saying, I know, I know my child and yet I'm not getting anywhere. So I think I better listen to you. And yeah, I right. get it. It's a real state of confusion. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to cycle back to the Tony Atwood um, empty folders in the brain files. I really liked that, and I really like Tony, by the way. I've had him on the show, and I played a game where, I, see, I had Asperger's, so he he did a fun diagnosis thing with me. It was really fun. And uh, I have found that whenever I've listened to Tony, he's had really nice analogies that make understanding some of the challenges easier. So I like yeah. that you, yeah, I like that you talked about that a little bit. Do you want to share that, or do you want me to? Yeah, I'd be happy to. That was that was a real, that was one of those aha moments where somebody tells us something that actually really made sense um, as a look inside Dylan's brain and uh, helped us going forward. Um, you know, certainly didn't solve all our problems, but gave us uh, some perspective on kind of what it was like to be Dylan for a moment. And what he basically said was that... Uh, our brains are like a hard drive on a computer. And so when we turn on our brain and we you know, wake up in the morning and we have decisions to make throughout the day, there's all these folders in our brain, just like there are on our desktop. And when we double click them, there are files inside that give us choices of, of options of what to do. So for example, uh, you know, we get to a situation where we're frustrated and we double click the frustrated folder and inside it gives you a, a word document for lack of a better term with a bunch of choices of this is how I can handle this frustration. Mm-hmm. But when someone on the spectrum opens up that folder, it's empty. And so they don't know what to do and they end up having a meltdown or, or just, you know, collapsing or, or just reacting because unfortunately those, those folders are empty. It was, it was, it was just a really clear understanding of what happens. And we, and we could almost see Dylan double-clicking his brain and seeing that empty folder. Um, it, it really, we went to, I don't know if you've seen the movie Inside Out. That movie no, that I haven't, and I've been meaning to, so go ahead yeah, and refer to it. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It's a really good movie. I mean, it's a kid's movie, but it's so clever, the way that they use a cartoon to kind of show how the brain works. Mm-hmm. And we, as we left the movie, one of my daughters said, they should do Inside Out, the Asperger version. <laughs> I said, oh, my gosh, that would be a great, that would be a hysterical movie. 
That's funny. Okay, so all right. So now what we just did basically is we did a book trailer. So I pulled some spots that I thought were interesting and good to refer to. So I know that we've teased people's interest because it's actually really an interesting book. So I don't want to intimidate you with the 200 and something pages, but um, I think you could literally just flip this book and read at any spot. They're nice short little Chap- they're not even really chapters. They're short little headings within the chapters that are right. really easy to read. And um, I, I really, pretty, I really encourage people. Read. Pardon? I said it from what everybody that has told me. If you go on on my website and look at our Amazon reviews, it's amazing how many people tell me they read it in a day, or they read it two days, or they were up till three o'clock in the morning reading it because they couldn't put it down. It, it's a very fast read. Because I because think the chapters, well the little sections are so short. Right. Okay, so now now that we did like a little trailer and we kind of teased everything, just give us, um, because we don't have a lot of time, so I want to make sure that we give you just the floor here for a minute. Share what you want to share and describe it the way you want to describe it and tell people how to get a hold of it. Yeah. Well, basically my book is is a memoir of what, it was like for me as a dad. And like, as you said in the, in the intro, there are not a lot of books written from a dad's perspective. In fact, I don't, there are some written about uh, some children with autism, but I don't know of any other book written by a dad raising a son with Asperger's and what it, what it's like. And so basically the book takes you from when Dylan was born and, and his birth right up through when he's 22 and decided to leave the, the program that he's in and go out on his own for the first time. And uh, I will tell you that it, it is a, there are some really, as you said at the beginning, this, you read a lot of some bad chapters and, and there are some pretty rough spots, but there's also a lot of humor. There's some funny stories in there. Uh, we, when we go and do our presentations, we've been traveling all over the country. We were in Tucson last week and Denver a couple of weeks before that. And we hand out a, a little one-page, kind of like a 30-second trailer, and it's two different sections of our excerpts from the book. And one is a, a very serious one when he was in sixth grade and, um, and was really having a hard time. And then the other one is a, is a real funny excerpt from uh, one, t- one night when he brought a hitchhiker home. In, when he was in high school and just, and he, he thought that when I said his curfew was 11.30, that as long as he came home at 11.30, it didn't matter what happened. So he walks in 11.29 and I open the door and there's a young woman standing there that he had picked up and he said, I made curfew, give her a ride home. And I was actually in my underwear. <laughs> so I'm standing there in my underwear looking at this woman that he picked up on the side of the road because he felt bad for her. And now I have to give her a ride home. And so it's a pretty funny story. And, but, you know, of course, he took it very literally that 1130 meant 1130. So um, there are some funny stories in there. Uh, Dylan is it's quite a character. And ultimately, it, it is a, it is a, it's very raw. It's very honest. I, I'm very clear and and i don't i don't make put rosy colored glasses on what i was going through and what i was feeling and a lot of times those feelings are are kind of harsh but they're real and that's and they're what a lot of dads are going through i i talk a lot of uh, at one point about how i was angry at dylan for a number of years uh, because he was just taking what i thought was going to be 
our family and turning it on its head. Uh, you know, we couldn't go on family trips. It was really hard to go on family trips. Even to go out for dinner as a family was often challenging. You know, we never entertained because it was always really hard to have people over because we never knew what, how, what Dylan was going to do. And I was angry at him for that. And so when I was speaking at one of the conferences we were at, a dad came up to me after he was in his early 30s, and he had tears rolling down his cheeks. And he said, my son is nine, and I'm so angry at him. And I didn't even know it until you put a word to it. And so that's, that's what I'm trying to do with this book, not make men cry. But I'm trying to uh, make people realize they're not alone, that, that we all struggle, no matter where on the spectrum our child is, even if it's not on the spectrum, our child isn't on the spectrum, if they, they have a disability or they're just challenging, that a lot of the emotions that I, that I went through, uh, other people are going through as well. And I want them to know that. And the other thing that for people that don't have a child with a disability is to realize that, um, you know, it's tough. It's really hard raising a child with a disability. And, you know, so the next time you see some parent in a restaurant and their kids acting up, don't just assume that they're a bad parent. Maybe they were trying to go out for dinner as a family. That one night they thought, oh, we'll go out for dinner as a family, and it backfired on them, and they're just trying to get through the meal so they can get home and crawl under their covers and wonder when the next time they're ever going to get to go out as a family is. So those are the kinds of the messages that I'm trying to uh, get through with the book. And also, it is a book about hope because Dylan's doing great now. He lives in Austin, Texas. He lives on his own. He lives independently. Um, he's doing a great job. He's maintaining a job. And he's also, uh, he'll kill me if I don't mention this, but he has a comedy channel on YouTube. It's called Dylon Comedy, B-I-E-L-A-W-N, Dylon Comedy. And he's a regular on the Lance Bass show on XM and uh, trying to make it as a comedian. And uh, we're really proud of him. So oh, uh, it, in the end, awesome. it's, it's, a, it's a real story of hope. That's awesome, and I, I'm going to back you into something you said because I want to just underline. Absolutely, sure. And that is that, you know, if you speak in a raw, real, honest way, you actually can put words to something that other people, because of our training on how to be polite and on how to have manners and how to love our children and how to be a good parent and all that, a lot of the time it's just lie to yourself. Don't say it out loud. Don't put a word to it. Don't, and you know, you can't let it go till you put a word to it and let it go. So I want to commend you for being willing to do that. I know many times when I've spoken out on things afterwards, people just in droves come and say, I've always wanted to say this or I've always wanted to do it. And it takes a brave person to be willing to do that. So thank you for that. And Thanks. Yes, I appreciate that. It's, uh, it, it's, I feel like everything we went through happened uh because this book was supposed to be written to help people. So, um, and I've got a lot of people say to me, I, I never would have written this about what was going on inside my family. It's too private. And, uh, and I figured either go big or go home. So either tell, tell the truth or don't bother doing it. And, and I love you for that. So everybody get the book. Come on. It's really, it's, I haven't even finished it. It's really good. Um, I, hopefully he doesn't let me down at the end. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a good, it's a good ending. It, it's, uh, there's actually a couple of funny stories at the end, uh, uh, before Dylan decides to go to, uh, to Austin, but, uh, yeah, it's go to chasingtherabbit.org. That's our website, chasingtherabbit.org. 
And, well, do, uh, and we'll put a link to Dylan Comedy Channel. I just pull, pulled it up. I don't know if you know, but I used to do stand-up comedy, so I plan on watching all kinds of this. Um, oh, yeah, you'll like yeah, it. I'm, He's funny. Oh, most excited. Okay, thank you so much, Derek, for being here. How do people get a hold of you? Uh, just go to, go to ChasingTheRabbit.org, or you can also find us on Facebook at Chasing the Rabbit Book. Okay, all right. Yay! Chasing the Rabbit, it's a good book, get it. Oh, wait! <laughs> Wait, don't go anywhere, what? Derek. It's okay. a great guest giveaway. You have to offer one. So, oh, okay. Derek Folk is going to give away Chasing the Rabbit, A Dad's Life, Raising a Son on the Spectrum. The first person to send me an email at mom, number four, evermore.com. I'm sorry, at mom, number four, evermore, at juno, J-U-N-O.com, will get a book. And you have to put in the subject line, Chasing the Rabbit, A Funny Guy. And you're going to put that because his son is a comedian, and we got to support the comedian. Okay, so uh, first person gets it. Thank you so much for being here, Derek. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. That was Derek Folk. He was so great, and I want you to get his book, by the way. I really do. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. It is time for Stories from the Road. Tracy was mentioning uh, one of the problems that sometimes happens in autism, and she gave an example of, and and I know she was just giving an an example to say, you know, this kind of thing happens. She was talking about microplasma, and she said, you know, if you have that kind of kid that he doesn't like change, you know, you're driving down the road, you turn and go the other direction, and and you know, and they get upset, and oh my god. I can barely do the rest of the interview because I kept remembering this one memory. So my story from the road is an easy one to grab today. Um, so stories from the road today is about Rye, my son. Rye, Rye, Rye. So I adopted him, and he was a year and a half old, and they said, okay, he's autistic, and he'd never spoken, and right away some wonderful things happened. First day I met, I, I put my eyes on him. He was sort of sandwiched between a refrigerator and a wall so that he would be in this upright so, uh, robotic position and he could rock side to side. And his head was stuck looking towards the room I was in. So I come around the corner and I see this boy that's going to be mine in this peculiar situation. And I go, hi. And he says, hi. It's the first word he ever said. And he said it to me. Oh, that was really cool. He didn't speak again for a while, but um, I knew that he'd have the ability to speak because that moment right there sold me. So anyway, so I take him home and, <laughs> and they mentioned, you know, that Sometimes he gets a little upset when you change direction on the highway. And I'm like, okay. Well, I didn't have a car. I was busing and taking the plane home and all that stuff. So it was when I got him, him and his two brothers, I got three of them at once. And they were all, they were all special needs. That was fun. Um, it really actually was. So anyway, so we get home and we got, I've got this pile of kids. I kind of look at them and go, I don't know what to do. Um, okay, uh, they're mine, right? And so you have this moment. You have the same moment when you bring home a baby from the hospital, but it's even bigger when you bring them home and you've adopted them because you're just sort of excited to, ha to hug everyone, excited to lead everyone, excited to teach everyone, excited to be a parent to all these people. And you bring them home and you introduce them to whoever you still have at home. And in this case, it was uh, two sisters and Dar. So, you know, now we have six and, and you know, I'm looking at them. My husband's looking at them. And we go, well, now what? 
So, <laughs> so a typical thing that you might think to do is take the kids for a drive. So we had just gotten this car that fit everyone so that we could fit everyone. It was a nine-seater station wagon way back when, Pontiac Parisian, big engine, lots of fun. So we pile everyone in the car, and we go down the road, and I say, forgetting the warning that I'd been given, I say, oh, shoot, I forgot something. Just pull a U-turn here. I'll go back and get it. So we pull the U-turn. And my son, my now brand new son, starts completely losing it. He is screaming and he is squiggling out of his seatbelt and he is running around the Pontiac Prison 9 seater station wagon. And the girls' eyes are bugging out of their heads like, what is this? And my husband says, I think we'll just stay home. And he starts grabbing it at his genitalia and he's pulling it and he's pulling it so hard I'm afraid he's going to pop it right off. And he's just screaming with all his might. So he could say nah as well as hi. And and that was my introduction to the kind of child that might have a micropossum problem and hate it if you pull a U-turn. We actually dealt with that kind of stuff for many, many years, but um, the big introduction was one that stuck in my head. So how did we deal with it? We just dealt with it. It was a lot like what Tracy said earlier. You know, you just do it day by day by day, one little step, one little step, one little step. When she was giving the example of leaving the carrots out, you know, so they don't just eat bread. You know, you just keep introducing and and asking and leave it out there, leave it out there. And it was the same for him. We just kept, we didn't know all the things that we know now. I did change diet just by happenstance, but um, really, you know, we were just making it through. And one little learning at a time, it got to where we could make a U-turn. And in fact, he's a driver for AutoZone now, lives on his own, does really well. And, um, has for many, many years, and he makes many U-turns, so things can change. It's okay. You do have to kind of just go the distance. So sometimes reading a book like Derek Bolt's is exactly what you need, because if you can read a book about, you know, what it is to be the parent of an autistic child in the moments that were tough, and somebody will talk to you clearly about those moments, I think you can be blessed enough with the energy that you can keep going to the next day and the next, and before you know it, you're in a beautiful place. So don't give up. Don't fall apart. Reach for help. Go to other parents. Read books. Listen to the show. It's just your journey. It's not, uh, it's not an unsurmountable journey. It's just a journey. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. Otherwise, I'm sorry, I'm still laughing about Rye and the way he used to do that. It was just really cute. Okay, um, but a good cause for everyone to buy earplugs. All right, I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Brub. And thank you for being here. You've been listening to a new spin on autism, Answers. And if you weren't here, I'd just be talking to myself. So I send you gratitude and love, and we will uh, we'll be chatting with you in a couple of weeks. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of a new spin on autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spin-
I can tell 